God bless you, everyone, and welcome to our service tonight on this Wednesday night, Hickory Bible Tabernacle, and it's an honor always to be with you and to be able to share this time together. And uh, just wanted to invite you tonight to uh, enter into our service and uh, be with us. It's been uh, for, for us and our family, been an extraordinary week so far. I think most of you are probably aware of some of the uh, events that have taken place, and um, I explained it on the update that was sent out there, I think, on Tuesday, and um, just trust that you would continue to remember our family in prayer. Uh, Brother Fulcher is still in the hospital, and uh, he is responding well to the medications that they've given to him. He is an excellent doctor, and they're giving him, uh, I think, very good care. Uh, so we would appreciate you continuing to remember him in prayer. And it's just really, I, I've said uh, to many people, it's almost just supernatural how that someone who's 94 years old uh, with the conditions that he has uh, to be uh, recovering from this virus and the pneumonia that he had. But uh, again, I, I think I, I will attribute the first reason uh, to the grace of God and the mercies of God that have been extended to him. And I think many people have prayed and uh, just gone to the throne for him. Many people around the world, we've, uh, over the last few days, I've heard from many, many different uh, ministers and brothers around the world. It's just been a real uh, blessing to uh, be identified with people who care and with people who pray. And we're very, very thankful for that. Uh, Sister Becky is uh, not well. She's considered positive. She's under her doctor's care as well. And uh, we just would ask you, if you don't mind, just to remember her uh, in her time of quarantine and just uh, with the circumstances, just dealing with that. Um, it, it is obviously increasing around the country. Lots and lots of people who are affected. And the uh, minister called me last night. He said that there were um, old, uh, churches in five or six different states in the northern part of the uh, country that were shut down for three weeks. The next three weeks, uh, Brother Ray Erickson's church up in Ohio uh, hit very hard. And Brother Nathan Erickson was going to come down this weekend and hold service for us. And he had to decline. Him and his wife were not feeling well. And I told him that I certainly would be praying for them and uh, let, let you know as well. And uh, there's been just many, many people around and uh, this is the spike that they anticipated. And so we just uh, need to continue to pray. As I mentioned that uh, scripture in Lamentations where God said his mercies are new every day. And my goodness, that scripture has really come to mean a lot to me and my family uh, over these past few days. So we have a lot to pray about. We have a lot of people who are affected, a lot of people who need a touch from the Lord. But we believe that God is a, uh, he's a caregiver. Uh, he's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a comforter in a time of need. And uh, one of the brothers from Ireland wrote to me the other day, uh, yesterday, and he said, uh, he said, these times are certainly dark and difficult, but he said that's when he shows his love the most is when we get down to those dark times. And so um, we're really counting on that. And I want to say to you at, at Hickory Bible Tabernacle that uh, I'm just uh, so humbled to be identified with a group that prays and you've all shown your concern and care and uh, compassion. Many of you have offered to come and to help us, but uh, as you know, it's, it, we're still at a point where it'd be difficult for 
for you to be around. But uh, just knowing that you're there and knowing those offers are there is a very touching thing. Um, I have some bittersweet news to pass along to you. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, I asked you to remember Sister Carter from Buford, South Carolina. She was the sister, elderly sister who had seven boys and prayed wanted to have a girl and wound up uh, expecting and was excited about that and had triplets and triplet boys. And this morning around 5 a.m. she passed away and uh, received her reward in glory. And I will tell you, I, I do believe that Sister Carter is over there. She's uh, just a very precious sister. She loved, very much loved uh, the services, not only our services, but uh, her own in Buford and with Brother Jason and uh, many, many other believers. She was just a, a real Christian and a real mother and real lady. And so we'll miss her. And uh, for her family, we re want to remember them in prayer as well. So let's have a word of prayer. Hold your need there tonight. I know there are many needs and many concerns. Uh, so let's hold those needs together tonight as we pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful and honored, Lord, to be gathered together in this place tonight, Lord, and every one of us, Lord, in different locations. But Father, you are one who is omnipresent and you are able to be with us no matter where we find ourselves tonight. Now, in the name of Jesus Christ, we curse these sicknesses, Lord, and I, I just um, marvel at how, Lord, you've undertaken for Brother Fulcher and Lord, we need to continue to remember him in prayer and we hold him up before you and ask that you would continue to strengthen him, Lord. And I pray that you would allow it to come to pass that he could return back to his home again. We pray, Lord, for Sister Becky and, and ask, oh God, that you would be gracious to her and to minister to her need and to her uh, solace, Lord. And I just ask that you would just be uh, very present, Lord, in that time of need. Father, bless our families, protect us, bring bring to those who need your healing touch. I pray that you would allow your healing virtue to flow to them. Bless our service tonight, Lord. Bless Brother Aaron. And uh, we just commit our time together into your hands now. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I am broadcasting from uh, home in Virginia, but uh, Brother Aaron uh, Nengamaza is in the church tonight, and he's going to be ministering uh, for us tonight, and we're looking forward to that very much. I had to really prod him uh, to take the service tonight, but uh, Brother Aaron has done uh, mission work in different parts of the world. Uh, he ministered last Friday night, I believe it was, over to the saints in England. He might tell you a little bit about that. And uh, Lord willing, maybe on the weekend, we'll show you some of the pictures. We have the first shipment of Bibles that have arrived in Zimbabwe, and we had some pictures of that today. Uh, very exciting. The books also have started printing in Pakistan with Brother Anwar and his group there, and they're very excited about that. Uh, so maybe, Lord willing, on the weekend, we'll show you some pictures of those Bibles getting to the believers there. So without any further ado, we're going to turn it over to Brother Aaron and uh, just pull in around the gift tonight and just draw from uh, the presence of the Lord wherever you are. And uh, may the Lord richly bless you. in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, trusting that uh, you are all happy to be in the house of the Lord. You don't necessarily have to be in church to be in the house of the Lord. The first church in the Garden of Eden was just a family. Amen. Uh, let's uh, bow our heads in order of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this evening 
for your grace, Lord. And we believe that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, at the ends of the earth, we look unto you because, Father, you are still mighty in power and you are still mighty in battle. Lord Jesus Christ, we are not shaken, we are not moved because we know whom we have believed. Father, we thank you this evening that we have got a hope and it's a living hope. It's in the hope of Jesus Christ because there is an empty tomb in Jerusalem. Speak to our hearts this evening, Lord. Touch those who are sick. Father, heal those that are broken and help us, Lord Jesus Christ, Father, to rise from whichever state we are in, Lord, and Father, to realize that we are your children. And no matter the circumstances, we know that all things work together for good. Bless this service and uh, anoint the words we ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Um, very nervous to be having my first service here in the United States. I'd like to thank Brother Barry for uh, welcoming me to America. You know, when you're coming on a pilgrim's journey and um, you are going to a different country, it's just a journey of faith. You don't know who you're going to meet, where you're going to be. And when I met Brother Barry and the church here at Hickory, they have been a family and I always feel at home being here. And um, I love the church, I love the pastor, I love the word. I just uh, am happy, I feel at home. As a Christian, home is where the word is. It's not Paris, it's not Johannesburg, it's not New York, it's where Jesus Christ is, amen. So uh, let's open our Bibles to the book of uh, Genesis, chapter 15, verse one to six. After these things, I love it when the word of the Lord says, after these things, that's Bible language, after COVID, after the elections, after whatever situation, the Bible loves to, to, to use these words. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham. The word of the Lord always comes to a prophet, amen. The word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceedingly great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? Seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. We may take our seats. So tonight, by the grace of God, I want to talk about the overview effect and my subtitle is Faith is Our Victory. Uh, uh, I know it's a midweek service. I'm not going to take long, just uh, some few notes here. And it's not how long you can preach, but it's the inspiration. I remember Abraham, Abraham Lincoln, when he was invited to, to dedicate a, a soldier cemetery in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and he was not the main speaker there. The main speaker was um, a gentleman called uh, 
Edward, I think, and he spoke for a very long time. And Abraham Lincoln just gave in a few remarks, but nobody remembers what the main speaker spoke about. But Abraham Lincoln, he's Gettysburg speech. It's engraved in Washington. Everybody talks about it. But it was just a very short speech. So I want to talk about this overview effect. So let's start by defining what this overview effect is. The overview effect is um, it's an effect that astronauts experience when they go to space, when they launch into space, and then they see the world, the Earth, from space. And uh, here it says that it's a, con- it's a cognitive shift in awareness reported by some astronauts during space lift, often while viewing the Earth from outer space. It is the experience of seeing firsthand the reality of the Earth in space, which is immediately understood to be a tiny, fragile ball of life hanging in the void, shielded and nourished by a paper-thin atmosphere. From space, national boundaries vanish, the conflicts that divide people become less important, and the need to create a planetary society with the united will to protect this pale blue dot becomes both obvious and imperative. So this is not meant to be a science lesson, but um, inspiration comes from different things. Brother Bram used to preach about the countdown and different things. So the overview effect, it's, 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 it's a realization that astronauts have, you know, when they get into space, when you, when you, when you are here on Earth, so you don't experience that, that, that effect. But when you go and you see the Earth, just a small, tiny ball, something happens to you. And that is what they call the overview effect. You see the Earth, just a small ball, which is hanging, you know, in, in dark air. It does something to you. So this is what we call the overview effect. And I believe here, as Christians we have to come to also to a point where we experience that effect when God lifts us, us, lift, lifts us up, not into space, but into the realms of the supernatural, and we get a realization of what life really is. We get a realization of where we are and who we are. Because sometimes when we are here on earth, we, we are surrounded by circumstances, you know, we are, we are watching what is happening on the news. We are reading newspapers. You know, sometimes we get a lot of confusion. Sometimes we get a lot of anxiety. Sometimes, you know, we, we just sit back and wonder. But it takes the spirit of God to lift us up. And when we go higher in Christ, then we are able to look back. And then we have that realization. But wait a minute. The earth is just a tiny ball. God is in control. He's the one that created these things. He's the one that, that created the, the, the land, the sea. So God here in Genesis chapter 15, he came to Abraham, and Abraham was surrounded by circumstances. And Abraham was explaining to God the circumstances which were surrounding him. And Abraham, you know, sometimes when you pray, you don't have to be religious. You have to tell God your circumstances. Like what Abraham was doing here, he was saying, Lord, what will you, God, God had said to Abraham, I am your shield and I am your reward. And God is telling Abraham, yes, I know that you are my shield. I know that you are my reward. But what will you give me? I am, I am going childless. And mine heir is this Eliezer of Damascus. So the closest thing that I have here 
is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. And uh, I like verse, um, verse 5. God takes Abraham and he says, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven. So God was trying to give Abraham a fresh perspective. He was trying to give Abraham that overview effect. He was trying to take Abraham's um, uh, sight from the circumstances that were surrounding him. He was taking Abraham from thinking about, you know, Eliezer of Damascus, you know, being, this is what I have, you know. It's like that Christian widow woman who had just, you know, a cruise of oil. Sometimes we come to those places, no matter how spiritual we are. We come to a spot where you look at your finances, maybe things are not making sense, and you have to tell God, Lord, what will you give me? And God takes Abraham and says, look at the stars. You know, and Abraham, being a spiritual astronaut, he saw the stars. And God says, are you able to number the stars? If you cannot number the stars, so shall your seed be. So in other words, Abraham, don't think about Elias of Damascus. I want you to have this realization that I am able to do this for you. And Abraham believed the Lord. And he counted to him for righteousness. And tonight I want you to believe the Lord. Don't look at what is surrounding you. Don't look at the situation. Don't look at what is happening around. Look unto the Lord. Go higher in faith. Go higher in prayer. And accept what God is saying. We can look at this from a perspective of two cities in Israel. One is, is Jericho, one is Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is high on the mountain, and Jer- Jericho is very low in the valley. And Brother Bram says Jericho is the lowest city in the world. And actually, if you, if, you, if you search that on the internet, you'll find that it's true. Jericho is actually the lowest city in the world because it is 258 meters below the sea. So, the, 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 how Jericho is law, not just in terms of geography, but from a biblical revelation, you see that lowliness has to do with you know a low life in terms of you know um, a faith in terms of the way of living. And Jerusalem is a high city, so you have got Jerusalem, which is you know a type of a of a life where people are just low in the valley, beat down, no hope, you know. And then you've got Jerusalem, which is up the mountain. That is where we are as Christians. That is, that is where we are as the bride of Jesus Christ. We are not low down with the rest of the world. There is a difference between the bride of Jesus Christ and the world. Remember when God visited them, visited them in the first Exodus, he said, I am going to put a difference between the Jews and the Egyptians. And that's where God put them in Goshen. Well, in the Egyptians, the darkness, the Jews had light. God said, I am doing this so that I can show that there is a difference. So Jerusalem is where we are. It's a higher perspective. It's not Jericho, the low life where things just seem like it's upside down. We don't know where we are going. We don't know who we are. No matter what happens in this world, we are always up there because we have the revelation of Jesus Christ. If you read the Bible, God himself is called the Most High. The Most High, it's not just referring to height, physical height. 
it's also talking about perspective. The Hebrew word is elion. You see, um, Psalms 92 verse 8. It means the lofty, the supreme, the, the, the uppermost. You know, in Jesus Christ, Ephesians 4 verse 8, he ascended up. So as Christians, that's why the Bible says we are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are not bound. Physically, yes, we are here, but our spiritual consciousness is high up there. It does not matter who is the president today. It doesn't matter what comes on the news tomorrow. We know what is happening. We have the revelation of the word. Praise the Lord. So, as, as, as the children of God, we are high up. Not, God is not just lifted up, as you know, Isaiah would see him, but we are also in him. We are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. So let's read uh, John chapter 8, verse 23. The Bible says, And he said unto them, This is our Lord Jesus Christ, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. So, ye are of this world, I am not of this world. So, our Lord was telling the Pharisees, the way you see things, the way you do things, the way you're jealous, you're envying, you know, they were trying to stop him from preaching, they were trying to do all sorts of things, is because their perspective is from beneath. They are sons of, of this world. They are bound by the circumstances of this world. So, our Lord Jesus Christ, he said, I am from above. I might have one coat, but I know that I am worthy more than that. He, he, he had a consciousness of who he was. And Pilate would, would stand there and say, do you know that I've got power to release you? And Jesus Christ would say, you have no power unless it is given you from above. So our control tower is, our, is, is above. Our perspective, our vision, the way we approach life, is how we see things from an overview, where we say, okay, the world is all, is all mixed up, everyone is confused, but we know that one of these days, we are going to be changed. Praise the Lord. Psalm 73, verse 1. This is a psalm of Asaph. Asaph was one of the three uh, musicians in um, the days of, of the temple. And uh, he says, as for me, my feet were almost gone. Now, a believer's feet must be strong. It must be, the Bible says, uh, they, they are like the feet of the Hindi. There's an animal called a Hindi, which is like a mountain goat. And, you know, it doesn't slide, it doesn't. So a believer's feet, they are supposed to remain steady because we are built on a rock. But here, Asaf is saying, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. He was honest. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw, you see now, this is where the trouble is, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no bends in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, the evil ones. Neither are they plucked like other men. They don't pay their tithe, but they make a lot of money. Therefore, pride compassed them about as a chain. Violence covered them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fitness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning the oppression. Like many of you would be praying, Lord, we want a God-fearing president, and an evil one comes. You see? Your feet can also be gone like what Asaf here is saying. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily 
They set their mouth against the heavens. These people, they blaspheme actually, but God allows them to live long. And their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore, his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how doth God know, and, and is their knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. So Asaph was looking at ungodly people, how they were prospering, how they were living, how they, everything, all these things were happening. And he got discouraged. He thought, surely these people, if they are not Christians, if they don't obey the word, they should be some form of punishment. But they were prospering. And it kind of like hurt Asaf, and it set him back. And here, let's read um, verse 16. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. You know, as a Christian, sometimes you come to a place where you look at things and it's painful to you. Verse 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of the Lord, then understood I their end. So in other words, when he went into the house of the Lord, God took him like an astronaut. And he went high and he had that overview effect. And he saw the end of the ungodly. He saw the end of the wicked. And when he saw that, he had a consciousness. And the Bible says, he surely thou didst set them in a slippery places and casted them down into destruction. How are they brought into Dissolution is a um, is a moment. Amen. Verse twenty three. I'll skip. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou is holding me by my right hand. So it took God to take Isaac and to lift him up and to get that overview effect that we are talking about, where he saw the end of the wicked. Like what God has done for us in this last days through the spoken word. God is giving us an overview effect. We know the events that are happening right now. We know what is supposed to happen. We know how things are going to. This should give us a rapturing faith. This should give us a steadiness to see God is in control. Imagine the saints that lived in the dark ages. They had so much faith. They did not know what we know, what we knew, what we know today, but they were just faithful unto death. So here, David. <laughs> He writes this psalm to the chief musician, uh, which I think maybe it was Asaph. And he says, It is God that getteth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. He maketh my feet like Hindus' feet and set me upon high places. So the chief musician is saying that my feet were almost gone. And David in Psalms 18 was writing this psalm to the chief musician and saying, God maketh my feet like the Hindus' feet. Praise the Lord. So, um, if we go to Second Kings chapter six, verse fifteen, we read a story about uh, Elisha and Israel when they were encamped by the enemy. You know, back in the days, they used to besiege cities. You know, when they besiege, they just you know go around the city so that no one in, can go outside, no one can go to Walmart, no one can go to buy groceries, no one can go to CVS, until you know you just run out of consumables, you run out of food, you run out of everything, and then you become weak, and then they come and they slaughter you, they kill you. It was a very painful thing. So Israel was, was, was compassed, 
And the Bible says, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. You know, And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that are with them. So Elisha was just steady and still when the host had compassed the city. When the host has compassed our lives as Christians, we have to have the revelation of Elisha to say they that are with us are more than they that are with them. And Paul would say, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So when, when, the, when the host compass us about, whether it's sickness, whether it's sorrow, whether it's anxiety, whether things that we don't understand, things that just come in our lives, they come and they encompass us. You can actually see their soldiers, their chariots, you know, you, you see things physically. But Elisha said, those that are with us, they are greater than those that are with them. And, but his servant Gehaz didn't quite believe that because all he saw was, you know, the, the chariots and the horsemen. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray that you give this young man an overview effect. Open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. And I want to say tonight, despite what we might be going through, despite what we might have, the angel of the Lord is encamped with the bride of Jesus Christ. The pillar of fire is moving right along with the church of Jesus Christ. Whether you have got shoes or no shoes, if you believe this word and you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost, the angels of God, they surround those that fear him. And Brother Branham tells us that there are no angels which are mentioned for, for sinners. So I'd rather have, you know, not having much, but having the angels of God surrounding my life. So uh, in the sermon, as the ego stirred up, Brother Branham here, he went to the offices of Oral Roberts. He went to the offices of, you know, Tommy Osborne. And um, it says, and I stood outside and I got to myself and I walked, I walked around to get my car. Then something said to me, it was Satan, yeah. Whenever something that is contrary to the word speaks to you, that's Satan. You don't need a prophet to tell you that or anything. Anything that is contrary to the word, it's Satan. And he says, it was Satan. He said, but what about you? All robots, ministry came off of yours. So did Tommy Osborne. Here you are. Where is your IBM machines? A little old end of a trailer that Brother Leo let me have an office in a phone setting in there and a little second-hand typewriter. What about that? I, I said, oh, I would sure hate for them to come see that. Satan said, see, he, he don't trust you. You see, you see, the devil is very, very shrewd. He was preaching to the prophet. This is a man who could speak to angels. This is a man who could see visions, but still the devil would perfect so the devil is always there. And he says, and I said, I guess that's right. You see? All of them, brother, with all, I guess, I just can't, he just can't trust me, that's all. You see, whenever you make a, a conclusion which is contrary to the word of God, it's the devil. And I was standing there looking there, and I got really broke up. 
Sometimes, you know, we come to a place where we are just broke up. I thought, oh God, as as hard as I have lived and everything else. And I said then, and I said then, look what you have done. Just then I heard a voice said, come, experience that overview effect. Amen. It says, the the voice said, but I am your portion. This is the same words that God spoke to Abraham when he came to Abraham in chapter 15. He says, I am your shield and I am your exceedingly great reward. So God, Brother Abraham was, you know, looking at Oral Roberts, all these people who are successful, just like Asaph, you know, he was looking at ungodly people. And he said, I was almost gone. And Brother Branham is saying the same thing. I was broke up. And God said to him, a voice said to him, in another, in another quotation, he says, look up. In other words, don't look at your surrounding. That overview effect, look up. I am your portion. Amen. Let's read here, Jonah chapter 2, verse, uh, I'm resting with my time here. All right, I think I'm doing all right. Jonah chapter 2, verse 7. Jonah was in the belly of the well. We know the story. The Bible says the fish. So, was in the belly of the fish. When my soul, and, and, and then he was there, and, you know, he was, the prophet talks, describes the, the, the situation that Jonah was. It, it dramatizes it. I don't think any of us tonight are in a worse situation than Jonah. Everywhere where he was touching, there was, uh, you know, all sorts of things. <laughs> you know, whatever the fish had eaten that, that morning, the last night was there in the belly, and Jonah was there. And I mean, he was surrounded by circumstances. And here he said, and sometimes when we, we come to that place, that's when we can really make a prayer of revelation. You know, sometimes we, we can just be making our own religious little pray- prayers that we're used to. But it, sometimes it takes God to shake us. And then we can speak from the revelation of our faith that comes from deep inside. And here Jonah said, when my soul fainted within me, he, he, you know, the Bible says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. We're not supposed to faint, right? But Jonah said, when my soul fainted within me, like Asaph, this is my, my feet were almost gone. Brother Barnum said, I was broke up. You know, he says, my, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. You know, the revelation, it, it helps you to remember, like the prodigal son. He remembered and says, but you know what? In my father's house, I ate the, the pigs. They eat better than this. He, he remembered. And my prayer came in unto thee, into thine holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Those that observe the surrounding things, the circumstances. Don't look at your surroundings. Don't look at your circumstances. People would come on the prayer line and Brother Bram prays for them. And he said, Brother Bram, you prayed for me. I'm still blind. And Brother Bram would say, that has got nothing to do with it. So I want to say to you tonight, whatever circumstance you have, that has got nothing to do with it. If you are praying for a baby, whatever the doctor tells you, whatever you are seeing, that has got nothing to do with it. You have to look at the word. That's the seed of Abraham. We believe God. If you look at, uh, if you read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 27, by faith, this is Moses, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invincible. So Moses 
endured because he had an overview experience. He saw him who is invincible. And that gave him the strength, you know, not to fear the king. If you stand before God, you can stand before any man. If you kneel before God, rather, you can stand before any man. When you have got that experience with God in prayer, when you have got that experience with God, there is nothing that is impossible. And Moses, we, we, we read about it, going to take over a superpower with just a little crooked stick and a donkey and mule. And they say, where are you going, Moses? Say, to take over Egypt. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul is telling the Ephesians, it's not, a, it's not your boss, it's not your wife, it's not your neighbor, it's not the president, it's not, it's, it's, it's principalities, it's powers, it's the rulers of this dark world. Is it, when, you, when you think that you know, uh, your neighbor is a problem, when you think maybe it's, it's the kids, then you, you, have, you have lost it. You have to rise higher and realize that your, the battle is against principalities, is against powers, is against the rulers of this dark world. You have to claim and say, Satan, let my son go. Satan, let my daughter go. You have to claim them under the token. Praise the Lord. And Paul says again in Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, he says, For the weapons of our warfare, they are not carnal, but mighty through God the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, you know, just imagining things. I would imagine, people say, I would imagine. Casting down imagination and every high thing, that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought, every thought to the obedience of Christ. So every thought, we have to bring it to obedience, to captivity, to obedience of Christ. Any thought that is contrary to the word of God is the devil. We have to bring it into captivity. All right. The super race. What is the super race? It's not the Aryan race that Hitler wanted It's not the French, it's not the Chinese. There's only one super race. The super race is a mixture of of God, of of man and deity. That's a super race. You know, kids, you know, know, they, they read these books about superheroes. There's something about man that wants to associate with superheroes. You know, there's... All kinds of superheroes, I know. We grew up looking at Spider-Man, Batman, all these superheroes. But we are actually the superhero, the, the, the super race that is in this world. It's a mixture of, of human and deity. That's the super race. And the bride of Jesus Christ is that super race. And because we are a super race, we have got something over it over and above what the natural man has. When, when the world runs you know, out of things, out of ideas, we, the children of God, we, we have got something higher. That's why we are called the, what? the super race. Um, and here, there, there's a song that we sing. I'm pressing on the, up to, the upward way, the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. 
Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. In other words, I want to go higher in Christ. I want to go higher in the Lord. Because when you are higher, then you can see things better. It's like if you're in a house that is full of smoke, you, 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 you know, somebody has to open the door and take you out. And then that's when you can see things better. So that's why we sing this, so, this song. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on Canaan stable land. A higher plane that I found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Okay, the difference between David and Saul. David was looking for the anointing. And Saul was looking for the crown. So one is the king whose capital is Jerusalem. David, who has a, a type of Jesus Christ. You know, his, his, his affections, the way he saw things, he saw things higher. When the young man would say, here is Saul, your enemy, kill him. David would say, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. He, had a, a, he saw the bigger picture. He knew that he had a higher revelation, you know. Uh, the, the, the normal man would have taken a spear and killed Saul and say, look, I, he deserves it, you know, after what he has done. But David understood something. He wanted to preserve the anointing. And when David sinned against the Lord, in, he, he prayed in Psalm chapter 51, he said, Lord, take not thy Holy Ghost from me. He says, renew a right spirit within me, Lord. But when Saul sinned, he said, Samuel, can you please walk with me before the elders? Please walk with me before the people. Because what he was concerned about is the prestige. You know, people, him walking with Samuel, to be associated with the prophet Samuel. And you know, like some people these days, they don't believe the message. They just want to be associated with the message. But, but David wanted the anointing. And David was high in the Lord. He was high in revelation. And he knew what was important. When God gives you that overview effect, you begin to realize what is important. What is important in your life is the anointing. You can lose everything else, but as long as you have the anointing. So David had the anointing, and Saul had the crown. I would rather have the anointing than the crown, than to have the crown without the anointing. So uh, Jesus Christ is, is our perfect example Lord, when he was in the house of Simon the Pharisee, and he was sitting there in a corner, and no doubt the people were discussing about the word. They were talking about the logos. They were talking about how God created the stars. And he was the creator. And he was just sitting there, and he was quiet. He didn't say a word. He didn't argue with them. He left them. That's the sign of maturity. He didn't try to prove anything. He just kept sitting there quietly. That's, you know, what Brother Branham, when, when he was in Houston, Texas, and Dr. Best and, and, and Brother Bosworth were debating divine healing, you know, Brother Branham said, if it comes to arguing, I'm not going to argue. And he sit there in the congregation until the Holy Ghost said, you can go. And when he went, that's when the pillar of fire was, was photographed. So it's, 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 a, it's a man who knows who he is. He doesn't have to prove anything. Doesn't have to argue with anyone. You just wait upon the Lord because you are way, way up higher than. Now, what is a revelation? Revelation, Matthew chapter 16, it says it's a rock. 
Jesus Christ said, upon this rock I will build my, my, my church. And Zion is a city that is built on top of a hill. You know, Jerusalem, Mount Zion, it's high up there. And the Christians are a shining city on a hill. That's according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. So Christians are always high up there, not down below. Amen. Acts chapter 20, Paul says, And now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem. Paul was telling people his circumstances. Not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnessed in every city, saying that bones and afflictions abide me. Verse 24, one of my favorite scriptures. And Paul says, but none of these things move me. We have to come to a place where we say, no matter the circumstances, no matter this, these things, they don't move me. They don't move me from where? From the solid rock of Jesus Christ. I see bones. I see affliction. I see imprisonment. I see false brethren. I, 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 I know I'm going to fight with beasts at Ephesus. All these things that have been prophesied. But none of these things, they move me. A Christian is built upon a rock of revelation. He is not moved. He is not. That's why Jesus, our Lord Jesus Christ spoke of, of John and said, What went he out to see? Did you see a reed which is shaken by every headline that comes on the news? <laughs> by every uh, little thing that comes in the home? It says, but not John. John was unmovable. He was, he was a solid believer. Genesis chapter 45. Now therefore, be not grieved and not angry with yourself. This is Joseph revealing himself to his brethren. And, 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 and uh, I, 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 the pastor was preaching about Joseph at that time, and I was very, very blessed when he was talking about bitterness. And he was saying that if, any, if there's anyone who was supposed to be bitter, it was Joseph. But Joseph was high. You know, he had... God took him up. There was a moment when he couldn't understand things. He was in jail. He was in Potiphar's house. Things were just going upside down. But God lifted him up in revelation. He, he went higher in Christ. And he told his brethren, he says, Do not be angry with yourself that you sold me hither. For God did send me before you to preserve life. This is the revelation that Paul had when he said, We know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord. It's when you, when, you, when you go high and then you understand that God loves me, God loves us, and whatever is happening, it's working for our good. Got to hurry up now. Um, now, faith is a conqueror. Faith is an overcomer. It just isn't a peacemaker. It overcomes. Faith is not a peacemaker just saying, all right, things will be fine. We just see what happens. That's not faith. Faith is, isn't a peacemaker. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Now, the word world, it means cosmos. Just any system that is contrary to the world, that's called, that's the world, that's, that's cosmos. What does it do? What is faith? What, what is faith? What is to conquer? Conquer and victory is the same. To conquer, it means to beat down to override, to handcuff, to throw into prison. You, you take your, your, your thoughts, like Paul says, we, we, we take the thoughts that are contrary to, you, to, to the word and we bring them into captivity. So here Brother Branham is saying the same thing. We handcuff, you know, 
uh, our problems, we, we, we throw them into prison. We bind them. We believe God like Abraham. I believe God. I believe that is going to happen anyhow. I believe that God is going to do it anyhow. It means that the sin that once ruled you, you have ruled it, you, you rule it now. Sin just means unbelief. You can put anything there, whatever unbelief you have, but now you have overcome it. It means that you have overcome it. You, you have whipped it. You are greater than it is. Oh, I feel religious right now. You are greater than whatever you are going through. You are greater than whatever situation you may be in through the faith in Jesus Christ. And what we have to do is just to accept. That's the overview effect. It's just realizing what God has already done. You're not supposed to do anything. Brother Branham says, I cannot heal you. And he says, even if Jesus Christ was here, he could not heal you. He would say, I did it already on Calvary. So the gift that the prophet had was just to conscientize people of what God has already done. In other words, Brother Branham would tell you that television was there in the Garden of Eden, right? Because it's a dimension. So he was simply lifting people from this earthly dimension to where they can see the realities of Jesus Christ. So that's what we need as Christians is that consciousness to, to go high and see, wait a minute, why am I afraid? Christ did it for me. My sins were paid. I don't have to be bound my, my healing was paid for. It's like when you go into a restaurant, uh, Carabas, with uh, Brother Barry, one of these days, if you're lucky, like me. <laughs> and he says, Brother, I'm taking you out. I'm paying your bill. And you don't have to worry yourself. You just have to eat. <laughs> and then when you eat, you know that it's already paid for. And, but then when you start to worry, then that's your problem because you know that somebody has paid for it. And remember that we base divinely healing upon the finished work of Christ at Calvary. It's a finished work. Every redemptive blessing, I mean, not just some, every redemptive blessing lays right there in the Redeemer. See? All paid for and nothing you have to do but to believe it. Accept it at your own, as your own personal property. So God is taking you, just making you realize that look, I've done it for you. You just have to say, I accept it. Many people, they accept salvation, but they don't accept the other redemptive blessings. And Brother Abraham says, I see prostitutes coming on the prayer line and they get healed and go back. Drunkards come in the prayer line, but you find the sons of God, some of them are sick, they don't have enough faith. Because they just accept salvation in the cross, but they don't know that the cross also gave them every redemptive blessing. It's already done. Uh, it's uh, in, in the unchangeable God. Now God cannot heal you because he has already done it. It's a past tense. See? Right, and here um, in the trumpet, like the trumpet of the Jews, Brother Adam says, it's a feast of mourning, not a killing of a feast. Why are they mourning? It's just, God is just making them realize. The one that you killed at Calvary, that's your Messiah. So when Jesus Christ reveals himself to the Jews, it's not a new revelation. It's not something new, a new killing of a lamp. It's just a realization, a revelation to say, what the one that you rejected 2,000 years ago, he is your Messiah, and they go and mourn. But a mourning of rejecting the atonement. 
So the prophet does not give you something new. Even Moses and Elijah don't give you something new. They will just conscientize you of what already happened on Calvary. If you find someone who has got something better than what is in the word, then I don't know. It's just making you believe what God has already done. So the Jews, through the trumpet, God speaks to them. So Brother Bram, at one point, he was you know, um, coming at the end of his ministry, like Paul, when he said, Demas has forsaken me, and he wasn't sure where his ministry was going. He had moved to Tucson, and he was not getting many invitations to preach. Many uh, churches were closing doors. He was just surrounded by many circumstances. And God, and he wanted to live in the woods at one time. He wanted, he wished he was just, you know, living out there in the woods. And God told him, you'll be a bum if you do that. And here God shows him seven peaks of mountain. I think he believe it's in Montana. And he says, if you look at those hills, if you ever doubt yourself or you doubt your ministry, look at these hills. They are, they've got your name written all over them. So it's not about the hills, you know. It's about, it's, it's just a little token that God gave his prophet to say, if you ever come to a place where, you know, you are surrounded by circumstances and you begin to doubt and to just look, you know, like what God said to Abraham, look at the stars. God loves to do that. It gives us reminders. And as, as the bride of Jesus Christ, we have got reminders that sometimes when we forget, God reminds us. And I'm going to show you one of the things, the main thing, uh, the, the everlasting time, the everlasting sign that God has given the bride is communion. Whenever we come for communion, God is reminding us. He says, remember me. Do this in remembrance of me until I drink within you and you. You remember that God died, Christ died on Calvary. If you are sick, when you come for communion, maybe... You know, you are getting the amnesia. You remember that, but there was a Calvary. Brother Stephen preached one time on, on, on Calvary. I believe it was on Ohio recently. And he says, you know, we can never overemphasize the importance of Calvary. We know that whatever we need, whatever we want, is already given for by Calvary. So God did not just give his prophet Abraham a sign. We have got many signs, but one of them is here, a scriptural sign, communion and feet washing. Spiritual amnesia. Now this amnesia, we are told, is a, you, 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 uh, we are told it's, it's, it causes you to go to a place where you cannot identify yourself. When you cannot identify yourself as a son of God, like Gideon, like, uh, like, 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 um, what was this guy? Um, one of these judges it was, you know, threshing in the wine press, and the angel of the Lord came to him, and it says that, "Thou mighty man of valor, the Lord is with thee." And he said, "I'm not a mighty man of valor. If I'm a mighty man of valor, if God be with us, where are His miracles?" So the angel of the Lord did not give him something new. He already was. But the angel of the Lord simply came to give him an overview effect, a consciousness of who he was. So sometimes we get into an amnesia because of conflict, because of situation. All right, uh, I've got four minutes here. All right. So here, Brother Abraham says, you find it from wars sometimes. Soldiers get it. We as Christians, we are soldiers of Jesus Christ. How many believe that? 
I'm a soldier of Jesus Christ. We are soldiers of Christ. Because of conflict, we get an amnesia. Another thing caused it's a worry. Worry will cause it. Worry is an evil spirit. Brother Banam says it is like a cloud, you know, it just suppresses you. Worry has no virtue. You are just worried. And Brother Banam says if a, a, a woman is praying for a, a child, sometimes if they adopt, it makes it better because, you know, it takes care of that worry and anxiety. So we, as, 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 in that worry, those conflicts, those wars, they cause a spiritual amnesia. Like Brother Branham was saying, oh, Lord, why is this happening to me? And God shows him the seven peaks. And God speaks to him and says, look up. So these things, they happen to, to Asaph. They happen to Abraham. They happen to us. We are not an exception. We sometimes feel like, okay, we are in the message. I've been hearing the message for 20 years. Okay, where am I going really? Sometimes, I remember Sister Media, one time he asked Brother Bram, says, are we not Americans? <laughs> and Brother Bram says, listen, honey, we are not Americans. We are children of God. That's why we don't do the things that the Americans do. Praise the Lord. And, and here the angel of the Lord said to, 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 the, to this man, um, and then came the angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertaineth unto Joash the abbot. Abrisrite, I can't pronounce that. And his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. He was threshing wheat, you know, harvest time. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. He was, you know, in a winepress. You know, he's not supposed to, he was hiding the little wheat that he had from the enemy. And the angel of the Lord comes to tell him, Thou mighty man of valor. And I'm here to tell you, in your little corner, in your little, own little wine press, you are a mighty man of valor. You are a mighty woman of valor, and the Lord is with thee. And I want to say this in closing. We are living in the harvest time, and in the harvest time, there are three things that happen during harvest. There is threshing, there is winnowing, and then there is sieving. All these things, God does them. He allows the devil to sift us. He allows the devil you know, to crush us. Because God wants to separate the seed and the shark. He wants to separate the seed and the husk. So what is left from threshing, it goes through winnowing. In the, you know, the Bible is an oriental book. The Bible, John was speaking of our Lord Jesus Christ. He said, his winnowing fan or his winnowing fork is in his hand. A winnowing fork is what a harvester uses to lift the sheaves of wheat so that the wind blows the chaff and the seed remains. And remember Ruth, when he went to Boaz in the evening time, when Naomi said he will be winnowing in the evening. So Christ is the one that winnows his wheat. He, he lifts up the sheaves and, you know, the wind blows, the winds of wars, the winds of strife, the winds of sicknesses. You know, sometimes things just come up and some people say, oh, we no longer want to come to church. We no longer believe the message. You know, sometimes God, like Jesus Christ, he said, unless you eat my flesh or drink my blood, you will not have the kingdom of heaven. And he didn't explain it. What was that? He was winnowing. The chaff, they were blown away, but the seed, they remained. And one time our Lord looked at Peter and said, Peter, I saw the devil sifting you. Sifting, that's the last process of, of, of the harvest. It's, it's threshing, 
winnowing and sieving, you know. As long as you are seed, that's your protection. No matter what happens, just hanging in there. And I want to tell you before we close that you are a mighty man of valor. Just rise on the wings of faith. Don't struggle. Don't worry about what is happening out there. Brother Bram says sometimes you rise in prayer and when you come out, you look at the whole thing. It's just Ichabod. So tonight, God is faithful and God is on our side. And he is just the same God in battle as as he was in the days of Daniel. Uh, if you have got a need, uh, you can just uh, raise your hand and I will pray with you. Heavenly Father, I thank you this evening, Lord Jesus Christ, because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord God, sometimes we have been in battle for a long time. We get an amnesia. Sometimes we forget who we are. Sometimes we, we, we forget, Lord God, our identity. Not that we are lost. The prophet tells us that when the Jews were in Egypt, they did not lose their covenant. They lost their freedom. But you came down and you redeemed them. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are still God and you are on the throne. And Father, you are still God that is able to fight our battles. And we thank you for what you did for us on Calvary. And tonight we are accepting, Lord. We are claiming the redemptive blessings of Calvary. We claim, Father, our healing. We claim joy. We claim peace. We claim, Father, health. We claim prosperity. We claim, we claim, Father, all the blessings that you died for. Otherwise, Lord Jesus Christ, you would have died in vain. But you said, Lord God, he whom the Son of Man has set free, and he is free indeed. And Lord, you told us in your word that, Father, you came, Lord Jesus Christ, that we might have life and have it in abundance. Help your children, oh God. I pray, Father, for those that are sick. I pray, Father, for those that are broken. I pray, Father, those that are on the verge of backsliding. Restore them, oh God, because you are the good shepherd. You are the one that leaves 99 sheep to go and find the one which is going astray. Lord God, I believe, Father, and I know that, Lord Jesus Christ, you are able to take us through, Father, every hardship. You are able to take us through, Father, every fairy furnace. You are able to close the mouth of the lions. We thank you, Father, for protecting us. You thank you, Father, for fighting for this church. I believe, Father, that you are fighting for us. Thank you for fighting for Brother Barry and the family. We pray for Sister Rebecca. May you touch her, oh God. Father, we rebuke and we curse this devil, oh God. It has got no hold on the sons of God. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, Father, for every family, every hand that is raised up. May you touch them, oh God, because we are, Father, the Jews and we believe in you. And Lord God, you say that in, in outside it will be darkness, but to the bride it is shalom because the light has risen upon us. We thank you. Bless us, oh God. Help us and be with us as we continue the rest of the week. We ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you, saints. Uh, it was uh, wonderful to worship with you tonight. God richly bless you. Remember to pray for me and to pray for uh, all the needs that have, been, that have been spoken and to pray for uh, all the brothers and sisters. And um, see you on Sunday. God bless you.